Good evening. Welcome to the Talk It Out podcast. My name is Neil Bailey Harper, and tonight I am in focus with story time just for fun. The music I'm listening to tonight comes from Earl Klug. This is from his uh, Spice of Life album. The song is Morning in Rio. Man, it's nothing like some good Earl Klug. And it's nothing like a good story sometimes. Well, I wanted to follow up when I talked about going to homecoming uh, two weeks ago. And this all relates to a story I told last year at a podcast, I believe number 104 or something, which was um, Whatever Happened to You. Um, uh, It's an older podcast I did. And during that podcast last year, I was just returning from homecoming and reciting a few things in my mind and realized that I was then on the premises, premises of joining this large group of uh, this, this social fellowship that I had uh, attempted to join a couple times during my college years and 10 or 15 times during the years after that. Well, it seems like everything was working out to where it was all going to come to a point. And I was finally going to conclude this, this part of me that I really had a lot of heart for and still do. Um, but, but let me go back because, okay, firstly, this is true. The story I'm going to tell you is true. Um, there's nothing in it for me to not tell the truth. I won't mention names. I won't mention organizations. But if you know anything about HBCUs, you'll figure it out. Um, 1976, I went to, I was accepted from Dobbins High School with my Fotas friends, friends of the heart and soul. We all went our separate ways. A lot of them went to Howard, but I was accepted at Hampton, Morgan State, Howard, and North Carolina Central University. I'll be totally honest with you. I chose North Carolina Central University because it sounded nice and it was the farthest away from home. Um, Plus, it was in Durham, North Carolina. I had an aunt in Burlington. Every summer I would visit Burlington for a couple of weeks up until maybe my junior or senior year in high school. And even at one time thought about attending Cummings High School in Burlington um, because I was going to get some run as a basketball player. But they were going to put me back a year and school was hard enough as it was. So I decided to stay in Philadelphia and I'm glad I did because photos, man. Um, So... I go to North Carolina Central University and I didn't see the campus until the day I pulled up. I was gonna be there. I knew that, I was like, okay. It didn't matter what it looked like. It was going to be the place for me for the next four or five, turned out to be six years. (laughs) But it was just a beautiful spot. Um, The first thing I remember about Central, the campus itself was grass. There was so much freaking grass and trees. And you're talking about a kid that grew up on 21st and Master Street in North Philadelphia in the 60s and 70s. Wasn't a whole lot of grass. Even on our football field at Dobbins, it was called the Glass Bowl. It wasn't a lot of grass. But everywhere I looked, there was grass. And the other thing about certain colleges or universities, and maybe the one you went to if you went, if you attended one is like this, Sometimes they become cities within a city. 
yeah, you can go out and do other things, but it's almost like it's almost like a little community, a city within the city, and probably like that in most cases. So when I got to North Carolina Central University, um, I went down here on a partial track scholarship. Um, but I love music. And I remember calling Miss Ellie, my mom, and telling her, look, I want to switch off to music. Now, the beauty about college then was that I got in-state residence. I don't know how, because I used my aunt's address in Burlington. So it was less than $1,000 for a year, probably. So when I decided to switch and not take the, the track scholarship, I got two money orders for $350 each for Miss Ellie, and I was set. I could go do music like I wanted to. And, 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 and that, you know what the other thing about it too? Not only was the difference from Philadelphia was seeing grass everywhere, um, scenery everywhere. But before you realize it, you relax. You're not worried about who's behind you. You're not worried about going out at night. You're not worried about the, the trappings that you had with the, in the city. It wasn't like that. You were in a whole nother world, in a whole nother place. And, and, and it was, it was, it allowed, honestly, it allowed you to just learn. It allowed you to explore. It allowed me to learn. Now, it allowed me to explore. But it also allowed me to be a little bit bad. Because I remember, um, there was a cartoon about these two sheepdogs that used to be up on the hill watching the sheep every day, Fred and Sam. they check in and keep the coyote away from the sheep. At times, I wasn't sure if I was Fred or Sam or the coyote because there was beauty everywhere. And, and on Central's campus, we had a couple of bowls which sunk down into the ground. You could walk level, walk around them. A senior bowl and, and the library bowl. The library is located in a pit where we still do most of our homecoming activities. So, up out inside the library bowl, when you sit up on the on the sides of it, there's the science building and the uh, history building. I don't know all these buildings. I did good in school, though, don't get me wrong. But it was just so much to take in and so free and so, so non-threatening, I guess. For me, I needed that at that point in my life. This is now George Klug and, or Earl Klug and George Benson. The song is Dreaming. So, I'm attending college and I went to, into music and we have a very prestigious university choir, a touring choir. And back then, you had football team, you had a basketball team, you had track team, but you also had a choir. We, we traveled two weeks every spring. Uh, we got on a bus and, and rode up and down Eastern Seaboard as far as Wisconsin, uh, stops in Detroit, New York, Cleveland, um, Morristown, New Jersey, you know, Washington, D.C. We had a great time. 45 college kids on that bus for two weeks with subsidized money. You know, it got to the point where we were good enough that we ended up in the Virgin Islands for another year, but that's another podcast. So, um, I decided to, I worked, as, and as a freshman to be in this touring choir, it was a really big deal. Um, not a lot of freshmen were eligible for the choir. Um, we, I was a music major, and there was four of us at that time in it. So... We were having a good time in, in September to December, and the tour happened in March. Well, in January and February, I, I had a friend that came from Philadelphia that I did not know until I got to Central, and his name was Drew Scott. And Drew was a track athlete at Central High School in Philadelphia, and I was track runner at Dobbins. And we became 
very good buddies. You know, it just clicked. It's just something about us that we had a really good time. Um, I lost Drew two years after, after the year I got kicked out of school. Well, that's part of getting ahead of myself, but I lost Drew. But during this time, Drew and I went around and we did everything we could as freshmen from Philadelphia in a college in North Carolina. We had a great time and we decided we wanted to pledge. And we thought we wanted to pledge a fraternity. And no disrespect to anybody, but Drew and I had a not understanding about the Greek letters and all of that kind of stuff. We decided, well, maybe fraternity was too much work. That's a couple of Philly boys at that time. So we decided to go social fellowship. And pledging was a blast. We pledged with a lot of people. And a month before our tour started in March, um, while pledging, at the end of the night, if you pledge any kind of social fellowship or fraternity or any kind of organization, you probably know that you stay up late hours and you have a lot of stuff to do and you rely on people outside of your organization to help you. Well, here's the other thing about Central that you will, can imagine. There were seven women's dormitories on our campus at this time. Two high-rise, Baines and Eagleson. Um, we used to relate it to the Flintstones. Baines, Stone, Eagle Rock, whatever, something like that. But seven women's dormitories and one men's dormitory. I'm going to leave it there. So... We would get women to assist us in food and all these kind of things after the line ended. Well, I had a friend in the fifth floor of Eagleson's dormitory. The problem was she was my friend, but her and her roommate weren't friends and it had nothing to do with me. Yeah, it was their thing. But I went up there one night, 2.30 after pledging to get a bowl of cereal, honestly, a bowl of Frosted Flakes. And her roommate was there and she went to get her friend, the one I was seeing, and when she brought her back, she didn't bring her back, she brought back the campus police. Sounds totally okay, except for this was the 70s, and there was no co-ed visitation anywhere in the South. So, doing my very smart, astute thing, I looked outside the window and realized I was on the fifth floor and I was not jumping, so they took me out. Um, at that point in time, you had a student court. A student trial, bottom line was, boom, you're guilty, you're expelled for the rest of this semester. Now, we had a great undergraduate dean by the name of Dean Blue. And he was just such a cool man. We sat and talked, and he knew I did something stupid. I knew I did something stupid, and he had to suspend me for the rest of the semester. But before that, we had a nice long conversation. He told me, and I was on the dean's list. So I had met him before. I was a Dean's List student in my fresh year, my freshman year. So I had to leave school in February, missed my first tour, came back to Philadelphia, worked, came back to school in spring of 77 for a summer session, which would allow me to make up the courses I missed during the spring. Only thing is, I pledged again. This time it wasn't a lot of us on the line. It was one, it was me. Now, it's not unusual for somebody to pledge a fraternity two, three times. Happens several, many, many, many times. This is my story. And it's true. I pledged um, for the summer by myself. Um, when, I got, uh, when I got to... When I got to... Okay, I pledged by myself. Okay. When I got there in the summer, they asked me to do something that how I, how I, if I had been honest with myself, 
I would have not tried to act like I was from Philadelphia. I would have just tried to do what I was asked to do. But what they asked me to do on our campus, in front of our student union building, there was a large white wall in front of the parking lot. The organization I was pledging asked me to put up my name on that wall. Now, I should have just, like anybody with any common sense, got a piece of paper, wrote his name on that paper, and put the paper on the wall. That's what a thinking person would do. I wasn't thinking, and I was from Philadelphia. And the first thing that came to my mind was black spray paint. Yeah, black spray paint on that nice big wall. So I went and got a can of spray paint. And I got some help from, again, people not associated with the organization that I was in, but I got help. This is Earl Klug, Whispers and Promises. So I sprayed my name on that wall and at least letters that might have been 16 inches tall. Across the street from our campus, remember I said it's like a city within a city. Okay, well within the city, the wall was within the city. Across the street from our city, within the city, was the real city and a real satellite police station. So unbeknownst to me doing my artistic genius, they were watching me spray paint. And when I got finished and jumped into the car, we might have gotten out the parking lot for about a good half a block before they turned on the sirens. And they pulled us over. They thought I was rigging the car. They didn't realize until we got back to the parking lot that I had spray painted the wall. Didn't help that I had three cigarettes in my pocket that you couldn't buy in the store at that time. So they carried me off to jail. But I had friends that weren't part of the organization I was with. And they made sure I didn't spend a a night in jail, which was really all I wanted to get out of it at this time. So after that, the second time being suspended, I go back to talk to Dean Blue, and he looks at me and like, what the fuck are you doing? But the fact that he had forgotten in his first letter of my my first suspension to put in that I was on probation, he forgot to put that in my first letter. So the second time I got caught, I couldn't be expelled. I could be suspended, but I couldn't be expelled. Long story short, I left the organizations alone for a year or two and went back to my choir. I went back to school, um, got back into the, to the touring choir, had a great time in college. And here's the thing though, all that did was expand my friend base. I had friends in fraternities, friends in fellowships, friends in choir organizations, friends in me. I had a lot of different friends. And I finished, the school, I finished undergraduate, but me pledging in my freshman year, those guys that I pledged with were still always close to me regardless of what else I did. That carried that friendship through every, every class in, in college. And when I graduated in 1982 and moved on, it was a hole in me that I wanted to finish. Um, uh, you know, it, it, I wanted to be able to keep that bond that I had with those guys and make it official.
but life gets in the way. I moved to California. Um, I moved around and did a lot of different things, doing a lot of different things. And every time I would go to homecoming, I would run into my same line brothers. And we would talk and they still want to know if I still wanted to do it. And I wanted to do it and still wanted to know if it was possible to be done. And this would go on for years and years and years. Got to the point where sometimes it was like just... Just write the check and we can start the process or do this and do it. It went on for years and years. And I love them no less every time I see them in homecoming. The fact that they would still include me in the pictures they take. Um, the conversations we have, the parties we do. Not only the brothers, but the sister group that was related to us still including me in their, in their life and their functions. Like I was one of them. And I felt like I was too, but, but, but not on paper. And I understand that. So I kept going back, trying to get this done and trying to get this done. And last year, uh, we crossed some, some barriers. We crossed some barriers. And I thought that it was going to be something that I could complete, something that I could do. And I look forward to doing it. And... As of this year, I wanted to go back to homecoming, wearing all of my colors and, and being able to, to just, you know, finally just be that part of my college life, have a complete, have an answer for it, have a, have a complete the circle so now I could just start sharing in, in, in all that goes with it. But what I found out was and wanting what I want, um, life gets in the way. Life can get in the way. And, and better life than anything else. So, when faced with the opportunity to have this dream come true and solidify what was already there, life got in the way. And I realized it's something that I just, at this point in my life, couldn't devote the time needed to consummate the relationship. And it hurt. And part of me said that, you know what? Well, all the years that go by, every year I realize what I'm missing when the organizations get together, when, when just you and, and your brothers get together, or when, and when you had that time to, to get together as a whole, I realized I missed so many years of that. But it still didn't matter because it's still something I wanted to complete. But when on the doorstep and looking at all the different parameters that had to be fulfilled, I realized I couldn't do it. And I smiled. I smiled because I can't miss what I don't know. I don't miss what I do know. And what I do know is that a long time ago in college, I was part of something. I was part of a lot of different things. I was blessed in that way. But I was part of this organization for a minute. And 
because of the people in this organization at the school I attended. They kept me part of them for many years to come and some to this day. funny I never felt like I'm feeling about this right now but it is what it is um, and, and and when I'm looking at it today if you know it was just for fun but that's what it was about that's what it was about and, and, and everything else can come after that but for me that time was just for fun but I cared about everything I got involved in and everybody I got involved in it with. So, I didn't miss homecoming intentionally this week, this year. I had my bag packed, I was ready to go. I just got a better deal at the last minute. Um, I look forward to coming to homecoming again next year. I look forward to seeing the people I didn't see. And I look forward to seeing the brothers I still have. And even though that was just for fun, it's always in my heart. Hey, this is uh, Earl Klug again, too. The song is um, Sunset Island. Um, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't meant for me to be at that time. It's easy to say things weren't meant to be when they don't work out. What was meant to be was. And, and because if I gave it all, I could give it. And I knew it was, everybody else was giving all they could give it, and this is where we are, and this is where we are. And we smile and we're thankful for what we got. And when I see them, I'll talk to them, they'll talk to me. This is the Talk It Out Podcast. Have a blessed day, everybody. Talk to you soon. Story time. Just for fun. <laughs>